good to have you with us as we look at that uh, very short passage uh, together. I want to start by showing you a picture of a statue, uh, a statue of an ancient Roman poet called Horace, who wrote lots of poems. One of his poems was called The Ars Poetica, where he has a sort of bit of criticism of various forms of art that there are in the world. Uh, and he's particularly talking about theatre at one point, and he talks about something called the Deus Ex Machina, which you might have heard that phrase or seen it and not be quite sure what it means. It, it literally means God from the machine. And it was something that used to happen in the ancient theatre. Uh, which is uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans, they loved really complicated plots with really difficult problems to solve. Uh, And uh, some of the problems got so difficult that the only way to solve the problem at the end of the play was to bring a god on stage. So they had them wired up, rigged up on pulleys, the actors, somewhere up here, and they'd wheel them down and a god would come on stage from the machine, god from the machine, and then snap his fingers uh, and sort everything out. Uh, And Horace uh, thought that's a bit lazy, yeah? It's a bit lazy to just bring a god on stage, click his fingers, and everything's solved. Now, you sometimes still see that in books and films today. Uh, You sometimes see that there's some big enemy, some big problem out there, and like, nobody can beat them. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, there is a magical item, or there's this person we've never heard of before, and they just come on stage and win the day. And they sometimes still call that a deus ex machina from ancient Greece, ancient Rome. Well, today in our passage, our passage begins with Jesus speaking, for I have come down from heaven. God has come onto the stage. Now, about the deus ex machina, Horace said, you can see it on the screen there, a God should not intervene unless a knot shows up that be worthy of such an untangler. In other words, don't bring a God on stage unless the plot deserves one, unless the problem needs one. Well, what is the problem? Well, we're going to have a little window on the problem Jesus has come to solve today. And it has been well expressed already in song. So I'm going to give it a go. And this is perhaps the scariest thing I've ever done on stage. So Ollie has very kindly agreed to help me. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now, will you still be sending me a valentine, birthday greetings, bottle of wine, if I stay out till quarter to three, would you lock the door, will you still need me, will you still feed me, when I'm 64? Um, If you need any more reason to come to the carol service tonight, I'm not involved musically in any way. (laughs) There will be no solos from me. But that song gets at something. A desire deep down to be safe, to be valued, to be looked after, to be loved. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64. And the Bible calls that idea of being safe and valued and loved salvation. And I don't know what your picture of being safe and valued and loved would be. I think there's a picture on the screen of sort of a scene, toasty and warm by the fire, surrounded by loved ones. Maybe that's what your image of being safe and loved and valued would be. But whatever your particular image is, the Bible word for feeling safe and loved and valued is salvation. 
And it's something we're all pursuing. Where can I be kept safe? Where can I be valued? Uh, Where can I be loved? And we look to all sorts of different directions for that safety, for that value. Some people might look to a relationship. That could be a friendship. It could be a romantic relationship. Uh, But if I have that, then I'll be safe. Then I'll be loved. Then I'll be valued. Uh, You might, uh, you you may be a pathfinder or a platformer here, you might be told to work hard at school and you think, well, as long as I get good enough grades, that will open the doors uh, and give me opportunities and that'll keep me safe. That'll enable me to stay safe uh, and people will value me because I've got these grades on my CV. Maybe it's family you look to. Um, People sometimes also look to governments, don't they? I mean, we've seen this during the pandemic that actually it's the government who can bring in the right regulations and restrictions, and and maybe if they do that really well, they could keep us safe. We might look to all sorts of different directions. What do we need uh, to keep us safe? But it doesn't seem to matter where we look. We struggle to find this sense of safety uh, and value. It's a real big problem. And, And here are three reasons Three reasons why it's so hard to find anything that can keep us safe. The first reason is selfishness. Selfishness. Uh, we get this in relationships, don't we? We, we get that uh, sometimes the things that causes relationships to fall apart, whether they be friendships or romance, is that somebody's just too interested in themselves and not interested in the other person. Maybe we also sort of suspect that with, with government, that actually... The people in government are are just there for themselves. They don't really care about doing what's best for everyone else. Selfishness is one of the reasons we struggle to find this kind of safety. Uh, Another reason is, is carelessness. It's not just that you're only out for yourself, but you don't take due care and attention. You don't give something the time and the effort and the energy that it requires. Again, that can be an issue with, uh, with relationships and families. It can be an issue in uh, your career where you just don't take care over something and and all of a sudden you make a mistake that costs you. Or it could be an exam where you've just not bothered to revise thinking that probably won't come up, and then it does. Carelessness can be a problem for our would-be saviours, those things that would keep us safe. Uh, And the final reason, though, this is the the biggest reason of all, really, is, is frailty. Everything we might look to to keep us safe in this world is frail. The song said, will you look after me till I'm 64? Uh, But even in the best marriage on this earth, on their wedding day, they promise only till death us do part. Everything we look to, every career will end. Everything is frail. Everything that we might look to to keep us safe is slowly but surely withering away. Selfishness, carelessness, frailty. Happy Christmas. I mean, it does sound quite bleak, doesn't it? But maybe you see now, this is a big problem. We're looking for this safety. There is a desire in each of us to find it. And yet, wherever we look, the things we look to don't seem to be able to provide it. They are tainted by selfishness. And that selfishness isn't just out there. It's 
in here. It's in my heart too. They're tainted by carelessness. They're all tainted by frailty and fragility. And maybe at Christmas is when it feels worst of all. Because Christmas is that time when we maybe do try and surround ourselves with the things that bring us joy, that that make us feel warm and safe. Whether that's family, food, drink, festivity, whatever it might be. And if you're someone here today who feels like, I'm not going to have that this Christmas time, well, that feels really quite lonely and difficult. If that is you, can I encourage you? Come and speak to me. Come and speak to somebody. Don't, Don't stay quiet. Um, it'd be great to hear from you. But even if you do have that this Christmas time, you've always got that sense that it's just one day. It doesn't actually last. And and so Christmas, in some ways, can, can make this feeling of searching for safety, security, value so much worse. It can make everything feel very fragile. But Christmas is also, if Christmas makes the problem deeper in some ways, Christmas is also where we find the solution. The, the, the true meaning of Christmas. It's when we're shown the hope that we have, when we remember what it's all about, when we remember what Jesus says here about why he came, why Christmas happened. And our passage spells that out. And what we see in our passage is that Jesus is the one we ought to look to because unlike everything else, tainted by selfishness, carelessness, and frailty, unlike everything else, Jesus can deliver a safety that lasts forever. First, because Jesus is not selfish. Verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus has not come for himself. He has come to serve his heavenly Father who sent him into the world. Now, it's easy to say, I'm not in it for myself. I'm just here to serve. Many political leaders say that. But we have that sense of distrust in us that is that how they're going to behave when push comes to shove? When the crunch time comes, are they really going to put other people ahead of themselves? Or are they going to make the decision that's best for them? But with Jesus, this isn't just words, is it? He backed it up with his actions. As the story of the gospel unfolds, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he dies. And when he's there, he's praying. And he knows the one who sent him, his father, has a job for him to do, to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And he does not want to do it. If there's any other way, he says, let this pass from me. And then he says, yet not my will but yours. John 6.38 wasn't just words for Jesus. It wasn't just him saying, yeah, I've not come to do my own will. I've come to do... It's easy to say, but when push came to shove in the crunch, that's exactly what he did. Not his own will, but the will of his heavenly Father. Uh, When push came to shove at crunch time, Jesus really did put everyone else before himself. Jesus is not selfish. Next, Jesus is not careless. This is the will of him who sent me, verse 39. 
that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. And that's the key word, given. Lots of things are going to be given in the next few weeks, I suspect, from people in this room and two people in this room. Gifts. You give gifts. That's what you give. And it's the season for that. But, but here's the thing about receiving a gift and having a gift. Now, often at, at Christmas time, um, we talk about, don't we, uh, gifts, obviously, the presents we give. But we also sometimes talk in Christian terms about Jesus being God's gift to us. But that's not what's being said here. Did you see here who the gifts are? I, will lo- I shall lose none of all those that the Father has given to me. In this passage, the gifts are us, Christians. Uh, Christians are the gifts that have been given by the Father to the Son. If you are a Christian here today, you are a love gift from the Father to the Son. Now, the way you treat a gift tells you something about uh, what you think of the person who's given it to you. So, like, if somebody that you love very much gives you a precious gift, uh, you want to look after it, yeah? And you'd be really sad if anything happened to it. Uh, If you love the person, you, you want to show that you love them by taking care of the good thing that they have given you. Well, Jesus is a good son. In fact, he's a perfect son. So when his father gives him a precious gift, he's going to look after it. He's going to cherish it. He's not going to lose any of those gifts, those Christians that the Father has given him. If you're a Christian here today and sometimes you might doubt or lack a bit of assurance about your Christian faith, then then remember this. Ultimately, you being kept safe doesn't depend upon how well you're doing. It depends upon Jesus being a good son who keeps what his father's given him, safe. That's where your confidence should be. You are safe if you are a Christian because you are a gift that the father gave to the son and he will never lose you. He will give his own life up before he gives you up. And he did. That's the proof that Jesus is not careless. He's not going to forget about you. When he promises to keep you safe forever, he's not going to sell you short because it's not in his best interest. He's not going to just forget about his promise or let you go. He's not selfish. He's not careless. But best of all, perhaps, he's not frail. This is the will of him who sent me. I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. I said the, the hardest thing of all, to, the hardest thing about finding safety was the frailty. The fact that everything in this world that we might look to to keep us safe is withering. It is dying. It won't last. And the greatest enemy of all in the Bible is death. And death is something that, in one sense, it's right for human beings to be afraid of. It is an enemy. And we've seen that again in the last two years, maybe more profoundly than than in many years. Uh, Often we just try and ignore it, forget about death, forget that it's something that happens. We haven't been able to do that. It's been on our news screens far too much. And people have been worried and scared. Uh, And in a sense, that's, that's rational. 
because death is this great enemy which makes it so hard for us to find the safety that deep down we all long to. But look at Jesus' promise here. I won't lose any of those the Father's given me. I will raise them up at the last day. The last day. There isn't another day to come. This is the final judgment day. And Jesus says, I will raise them up. And when he raises them up, they're not going to fall down again because it's the last day. Uh, This is a promise that on the other side of death, Jesus has the power to bring them through, raise them to life forever. He says, I'm not frail. The death that overshadows everything else you look for for safety does not overshadow me. I am stronger than that death. I can defeat it. I have victory over it. Now, who could claim that? That is a huge claim. The only one who can claim that is the God of life. Only the God who is life can defeat death. And that's exactly who Jesus claims to be. A couple of chapters later, he says, I have authority, power, to lay down my life. And I have authority to take it up again. Jesus says, I'm stronger than death. And he proved it. Because, yes, he went to the cross and died to rescue the world from sin. But three days later, he came back. To show us all, I am the God of life who can defeat death. We started with a a big problem. Where can we find safety in this selfish, careless, frail world? And Jesus is offering us God's solution. That he will step down onto the stage of history and fix the problem himself. It is the ultimate deus ex machina, the ultimate god coming onto the stage. I don't know how uh, Horace would have felt about that. We don't know because uh, Horace died in 8 BC, sadly, just a few years before the ultimate deus ex machina happened. But I hope you can see that this is a problem, a deep problem, something we desperately need, desperately want, and yet seems just so out of our grasp, and that anything and everything we look to ultimately can't provide this because of selfishness, carelessness, frailty. But Jesus, the one who is not selfish, the one who is not careless, the one who is not frail, the God of life who can overcome death, he can fix this problem. And in fact, only he can fix this problem. It is a knot that is worthy of such an untangler. It's why Christmas is good news of great joy. It's why it's worth anticipating Christmas through the long season of Advent, or it probably feels quite long anyway. It's not that long, is it? But, you know, every day just feels like forever, doesn't it? Waiting for Christmas. But that adds something. It's worth anticipating Christmas because it is such good news. If your Christmas is just about turkey and trimmings and a good party one day of the year, then the joy it provides will be short-lived too. But if the heart of your Christmas is Jesus and his mission, then you will find a joy and a safety that's not just till we're 64, 
It's not just till death has do part. It's a joy and safety that's forever. Because that's what Jesus came to do. I'm going to pray in a moment. Uh, after that, I think our, our pathfinders are going to leave uh, to discuss uh, things a little bit more in a group together. Uh, and I think we're then going to have our next song. Um, uh, a song that reminds us what a good shepherd Jesus is, that he can be trusted to take care of us and keep us safe forever. But let me pray. Father, thank you that you sent your Son, the God of life, to step down onto the stage of human history. And that he came to keep his people safe forever. Thank you that we can trust him to do this. He's proved that he is competent and capable where all other things would ultimately let us down. He can provide that longing that is deep down within us. And we pray that through Advent and Christmas, we would look to him, remember why he came and make him the heart of it all so that we may find there a joy and safety that is forever. And we pray it in his name. Amen.